It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Back to the State of Recruiting, your weekly Orange 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and this week I'm rolling solo. On today's show, we're going to talk about a couple of the guys Nick and I saw on our trip to Houston over the weekend, and we're also going to talk about some maybe some upcoming commitments for Texas and some good news on the trail uh, coming up soon. We also got uh, interviews this week with uh, elite offensive tackle Cam Dewberry of the 2022 class from Atascacita. And we've got a portion of an interview I did with Greg Biggins where he talks about the push Texas is making out west for a couple of prospects. Uh, but before we get into all those things, we want to uh, just thank everybody once again who who listens each and every week and um, did want to uh, ask that you guys make sure you're going to our uh, our iTunes page. Uh, you can find us on any platform, really, so iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, any of those pages. Um, if you can, leave a review, subscribe, rate, all those good things. Uh, leave us a five-star review with any questions, and we'll make sure we get to those. Um, all right, let's jump right into it. So Nick and I drove down to Houston earlier this week for a, um individual workout that was being put together independently. Um, and that was it was an, an offensive line defensive line uh, workout, and so you know we went down there because we were told it was going to be uh, a, a really strong group, and it turns out it very much was. Um, there were a few Texas commits down there: Hayden Connor, uh, Jordan Thomas, and Derek Harris all competed. Uh, Tumisha Adelier was also there, the Ohio State commit. Uh, a couple twenty twenty two guys and Dewberry and. Um, Kelvin Banks from from Summer Creek in the Humble area, and then Malik Silla, who's a, a high end twenty twenty two DN from Katy. Um, you know, seeing all those guys uh, was very impressed by by most of them. Um, you know, uh, I, I think it was my first chance to see Silla. You know, outside of seeing him on film, and you could see why it's why he's really going to be a, a high end prospect at the next level. Uh, he's already got a, a, a tremendous frame, about six five two. 20-ish, I think he told me, 217. Um, and so he's got a lot of room to add on there. But what I really liked about Silla was how bouncy he was. For his size, he he was kind of light on his feet, um, gets out of his stance really quickly, used his hands really well, used his length really well in one-on-ones. And um, I, I think he's a guy that the sky's the limit for him as a pass rusher. Um, you know, there are guys in the state like, like Ernest Cooper in, in the 22 class who probably have a hold on the top a pass rushing position as it is right now, but I think long term Silla is as good has a chance to be really as good as anybody. He was he was really impressive to me. I also mentioned Kelvin Banks from Summer Creek. He, you know he's a guy Texas offered last year, and then he he made an early early commitment to Oklahoma State. And I, you know I think in that time I wasn't really sure how good he was, but seeing him in person, he was probably the most consistent guy there. Uh, shut down a lot of guys, including uh, Tamisha Adelier, who I I, I think you know, the world of as a player. Um, 
I, I thought Banks was really, really solid. Uh, I really liked everything about him. I, he's a guy that, to me that if he wants to look around and take some visits, which it sounds like he does, I think if you're Texas, you've got to be all in on, on that kid for the 22 class. He's a, a really a, a, a can't miss type of guy. I think. Well, I, I, you know, I hate to say can't miss. I, I never say can't miss, but he's at least a. Uh, I think he's a very high floor, a very safe guy. Um, the next guy we saw was Cam Dewberry, who will join us later on the show. Cam really just kind of participated in drills and didn't do any one-on-ones, but um, what I really liked about him was last time I saw him, he seemed a little squattier in his frame, but this time he, he's um, it looks like he's growing, uh, getting a little taller, uh, filling out a little a little uh, a little better, and you know he's really a guy that from a technique perspective I don't think it gets much better. Um, you know I, I can recall seeing him last spring at the opening and he was a freshman or it, it was the spring after his freshman season and um you know he he didn't look at all out of place with a bunch of guys who were going to be seniors and a bunch of the elite offensive linemen in this class in fact you could make an argument he was the best offensive lineman there so cam Dewberry, um great great player great kid you're gonna hear that later in the show for sure um outside of those guys uh you know looking at the texas commits who were there Hayden Connor lined up at offensive, uh, kind of like tackle. I guess it's really the only thing you can play in that situation where you're you're facing another end and you're not doing full you know five on five drills. But um, you know with with Hayden, that's what he plays at the high school level. The question is where he's going to translate the college level. There, you know, there were some times where I thought he he was overwhelmed a little bit by speed rushers on the edge. But for the most part, I really like the way he acquitted himself um, from a technique perspective. I think he's he definitely has to get a little quicker, and you know that could eventually relegate him to a right tackle or maybe even a guard position. But I really like the floor on Hayden Connor. You know, I think that when you're talking about a guy like him, he's a guy who's going to work hard. He's never had an issue with his motor. Um, you know, which is often a worry with big guys is is them being maybe even a little lazy. I guess is the word or a little uh, you know. Uh, low paced but but Hayden's never like that you know he competes all the time Um, he's going to be he's incredibly smart he's going to be a great program guy he's going to buy in and do whatever anyone asks of him so I I really like his floor from from that perspective Um, the the next guy I want to talk about is is Derek Harris who kind of worked as an edge rusher I guess at this thing and that's kind of what he does at the high school level at New Caney but um, what I really liked about this is he he put himself in a lot of challenging positions a lot of positions he hasn't been in and I think for him it's really just a case of um, doing everything to make sure that he's learning all the technique stuff um, from anybody he can on on what he needs to do as far as leverage, as far as playing half the man, using his hands and his length, um, because he has the athletic ability. He has the quickness off the edge to be a guy who can be a disruptor. He's going to have to put on some weight at the next level, but uh, that's another kid that, to me, you know, just is going to work really hard. Is, is probably not going to be a kid that you have to worry about once he gets into the program. Uh, the guy who stole the show was probably Jordan Thomas of Port Arthur Memorial. He, a guy that I've been trying to tell people how much they'll love him, you know, since I met him because he's just a really special kid to me. Um, he walked out on the field and, and everybody was blown away by him because he is, you know, he's huge. And uh, I think he told me he was weighing about 245 today after recently being up above 250, but he is Muslim, so he fasted for, for religious reasons and then was down to 245. Um, 
you know, he's not the most polished guy. He's going to need a lot of coaching. But there are a lot of things to like about him that you can't coach. And one of those things is length. He's got long, long arms, 82-inch arms he measured at a camp. And it's very believable just looking at him. Um, the other thing is his motor. I mean, he, he, he was relentless out there. And he was getting beat a lot because of technique. But, you know, he was always willing to learn, willing to be coached, willing to jump back into the drill and, and really apply himself and soak up everything he could. And you talk to him afterwards, man, it's just, you know, everything's a blessing. He's, you know, he's blessed to be with his, his fellow teammates. They were giving each other a hard time. And, you know, he had a couple heated sessions with, with Hayden. And, um, you know, they went back and forth at each other. But then afterwards, you know, we're, we're hugging on each other and stuff. So, um Man, I just I, I really think that kid's gonna bring a lot of positive to to the Texas locker room. I think he's just you know he's hard not to like, and I, I had seen it before, but everybody who was out there, the rest of the media, coaches, everybody got kind of a, a good look at that. Um, so that's gonna do it for for our trip to Houston. We had a lot of write ups of that over at Horns twenty four seven. So please go subscribe there. You can read that type of stuff. I did not only observations on the way they played. But also some recruiting nuggets on those guys, some things I was hearing, um, some things they said from talking to them. So uh, please go check that out. All right, uh, we're going to start uh, our second segment uh, with one of those guys, and that's going to be an interview with uh, four-star Atascacita offensive lineman Cam Dewberry. And now joining us on the State of Recruiting podcast is one of the top players in the state of Texas for the class of 2022 uh, from Atascacita High, which will soon be known as O-Line High School, I believe. Uh, it is Cam Dewberry. Cam, thanks for joining me today. Uh, how you doing? Thank you for having me. O-Line High sounds good, doesn't it? I think, you know, you got Kenyon Green at, at Texas A&M, going to be a four-year starter. You got Sam Cosme at Texas, looking to be a high draft pick. Uh, you're yeah. coming out soon. Um, O-Line High so sounds like it's going to be a thing at Atascacita. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty real. You know, we're going to have three draft picks at offensive linemen, uh, the best in the country, and it's all because of our O-line coach. And, yeah. What do those guys mean to you? I mean, obviously, you, you know both of them. You've spoken with both of them. You've seen them move on to the next level and, and achieve great things. You know, how, how often do you keep in contact with both those guys, and, and what do they kind of tell you about the college game? Uh, You know, we work out with each other every other day, us three. Um, So – it's really tight relationships between each other. Um, we talk about – we really just talk just talk about life um, more than just football in general, you know, just like real-life issues and things that just go on in life. And we try to stay away from college – just the football in general, not mm-hmm. too much, just so we can gel together as friends. So um, – but, yeah, we talk about college football, um, how, like, their school is and what their school brings to the table and stuff like that. I, you guys work out. Do they ever? I mean, do they show you some stuff they've learned at the next level that you can kind of apply to your game? Uh, yes, sir. You know, uh, they. I always get tips from both of them on certain things that they do with uh, certain defenders. Um, you know, mainly Sam because you know now he's really been playing my playing tackle for. You know, he's about to make millions of dollars at offensive tackle, and you know, can't move the guard. But they both still help me regardless. Um. How's the quarantine been going for you? I mean, I know I saw you yesterday at a workout. I know you've been working out with those guys. What you know? What else have you been doing to uh, keep yourself busy during that time? Uh, you know, besides working out, you know, I've been playing a lot of video games. Uh, you know, just enjoying my family. Um, you know, keeping in contact with my coaches and my teammates, focusing on them more. 
um, you know, just really overall becoming more of a selfless person during quarantine and worrying about others. That's what my main thing really has been. That's a great thing to to do with it, man. I know there's a, you know, a lot of issues going on in the world today with, with a lot of racism, protests, uh, police brutality, all those things. As a young black man, you know, how are you handling this and, and you know, how is it weighing on you? You know, um, with me handling, I'm kind of seeing like people, some people's true colors come out and I, like who's really like fighting for these black people and who's really not. Um, you know what I'm saying? Even some coaches who are fighting uh, for black people. And that's really like kind of helping with my recruitment as well. And uh, I'm just handling it, you know, just trying to be there for anybody, you know, wh whoever wants to listen or if I need to talk to anybody, you know, just trying to handle it. Um, let's talk about that recruitment. You got uh, just about every school in the country coming after you. Uh, who, yes, are some, who are some of the schools you're here, you, you talk to uh, most often? Uh, Texas A&M, LSU, Texas, uh, Oklahoma, Ohio State, um, Penn State, Florida, USC. Um, those are the schools. Well, did I say LSU already? Yeah, you did. Yeah, um, those are really the main ones right now that's been talking to me in Alabama. Let's uh, let's start with Texas. Uh, your your relationship there with Coach Hand. What what is it you like about Coach Hand, and what stands out about him? Well, uh, Coach Hand is probably one of the smartest offensive line coach I've seen. You know, he's really been in the game for a long time. Um, you can tell he knows what he's doing. Uh, and he develops his players, like, truly from the bottom up. Um, you know, he really cares, like, from what Sammy told me. He really cares about his players. That's what I really like about him. We've been building a relationship since, well, I was in eighth grade. So, yeah. As a big man, too, as a fellow big man with me, um, you got to love <laughs> how much that guy loves food and cooking, too. Exactly, right. You know, that dude's a great cook. <laughs> what I've seen. Um. You know, when it, when it comes to Texas, do you talk to – I mean, do you deal with anybody else other than Coach Hand? Do you talk to Coach Herman much? How's that, Will? Oh, uh, yeah, I talk to Coach Herman. Uh, I usually try to talk to him at least once a month. Uh, you know, I talked with um, uh, Brian Carrington, uh, mm -hmm. the director of recruiting. I talk to him a lot, you know, because, you know, he's from Houston. So, just talking to him, you know, is, is really cool. Um, and, yeah. Do you uh, – have you been um, – I, I don't know how mit, how into video games you are, but I know Carrington's been playing some guys online and, and Madden and things like that. Have you uh, have you gone up against him in any of those contests? Nah, not yet. You know, probably soon. Mm, probably I'm, – I'm probably hitting him up soon and see if you want to get a game in. <laughs> um, there's a – you know, I was out at this workout with you yesterday, and they were, they were making fun of you, man. They were like, uh, Cam's going to the SEC. Don't worry about it. You know, and, and I know obviously those guys were joking, but – Right. Um, you know, I think that's a prevalent take in this world. Usually, you know, with a guy like you, as talented as you are, with the exactly. schools that have offered, um, you know, where do you do, – how much do you weigh in, like, the conference and things like that versus just the, the individual school fit? You know, from watching the NFL draft, I've seen that it really doesn't matter what conference you come out of, to be honest, because – they that you get drafted if you're from anywhere like you know I've, I've realized that from watching the draft um that conferences really don't matter that much like if you can play you can play if you have nfl talent you have it and if you don't you don't and it's really about development from that school okay so um with that being said let, let's talk about a couple of those sec schools uh texas a&m has, has been one that's been on you for for a long long time um, you know, uh, they've gone through a couple offensive line coaches, I know, during your time being recruited. But, right. Um, how do you get along with Coach Henson there? 
you know, well, really, um, as soon as Coach Turner left, you know, we didn't really, me and Coach Turner didn't build, like, that relationship yet. But as soon as Coach Henson came in, you know, he already knew who I was. He was he was looking to recruit me as soon, like, just in general, he was going to recruit me when he was at uh, Oklahoma State. So, um you know, we've been building a relationship ever since, you know, they offered me uh, talking to him, which is great. Um, you know, having that relationship between him and Ken is really big. Uh, it's just a really good all-around relationship. You know, talking to him, he connects my family well. And at LSU, I, I, would, I think it's Coach Craig. Is that their, their yeah, offensive coach? Coach Craig. Um, how much what – what is it you like about him and how much do you get to deal – I'm a huge, like – Coach O is just a guy that, that, like, makes me laugh every time I hear him talk. Right. I'm fascinated. How much do you get to talk to Coach O as well? I talk to Coach O once a week all the time. You know, um, he always just checks up with me and my family, and that dude is a really good person. You can, tr- you can see he truly cares about his athletes more than anything. You know, like, he loves them like their own son. Um, even Coach Craig is a great person. He really cares uh, about family. And that's one thing that LSU is really doing right now. They're getting to my family, and that's one of my main things when it comes to recruiting. Um, you've gone – I mean, you've been recruited since an early age. I remember seeing you – God, was it last spring at the opening? Uh, was it like uh, a yeah, year, that was, a year that was, ago? Yes, sir. That was the coming yes, out party for you. Right. And, uh, as a yes, freshman, sir. as a freshman, you were among the most impressive guys there in a group of, of great offensive lines. So you've been recruited for a long time. You've taken a lot of visits – do you know when you kind of want to start narrowing some things down and, and focusing in on your recruitment, or does it seem like you, you, you'll take it out pretty long? Well, really, I want to be committed by going into my senior year. So really through this next junior year, I'm going to be, you know, cutting down some of my lists and start focusing on certain schools because, you know, by by time I go into my senior year, I should be ready to be commit committed. What are some of those major factors going to be for you when you make that decision? Uh, you know, my family. Um, who can develop me, and, you know, it's, it's, it's about the next 40 years and not the next four. So, you know, who can really get me there for those next 40 years of my life so I can be straight. So you're talking about education as well. As, do, you, do you already know what you kind of want to study at the next level yet? Uh, no, sir. Um, uh, it changes every day, so I really don't know. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, you're young. You don't have to figure it out right now, certainly. Um, all right, Kim, right. before we get out of here, um, is there any – what do we not – is there something about you off the field that maybe uh, nobody knows? You have a special talent or a special hobby or something like oh, that? My special talent is I can cook. I, I mean, people, people, you know, if you're my close friend, you know, come to my house all the time, I'm always cooking. And, you know, I, that's my special talent. I'm a really good cook, I believe. So, yes, sir. Do you have a specialty, a certain kind of food you specialize in? Uh, you know, my chicken and shrimp Alfredo is pretty good. I make it all from scratch. Uh, sauce and everything, I make it all from scratch, and it's pretty good. You make the noodles from scratch, too? Oh, no, no that's the only thing I don't <laughs> make. That's the, now, that's a long process. I was about to say, if you're doing that, man, then, yeah, yeah, you've got it. Yeah, you've but, got it done. But, but really from sauce and then the chicken and all that. You may need to get up on the, the YouTube game and get a YouTube channel going. Get your own cooking oh, show moving. I got, I got a YouTube channel. Right, we'll it's, not, it's, not, it's not really for, like, uh, it's, not, it's not cooking and stuff yet. But, like, you know, when I, take, when I go on visits, I'm, mm-hmm. that's when I'm really, like, just having recording and all that. So go subscribe. Okay, we'll plug it. What's the name of it? Uh, D1 Cam. D1 Cam on YouTube. Um, 
maybe get some cooking content up there, man. Do a cooking For show. Sure. Throw some stuff. All up right. There. Let's see your yes, personality. Sir. All right, uh, Cam. I appreciate you for joining me, man. Uh, always have a lot of fun talking to you. Uh, good luck with you know with everything and your recruitment and you know you and yes, I sir. in constant contact. But uh, thanks for joining the show. Thank you very much. And we want to thank Cam Dewberry for coming on and joining us here at the State of Recruiting. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed that interview for sure. All right, in uh, this segment, we want to talk about uh, maybe some good news on the way for Texas. Uh, we did have to miss last week's show, so since that time, um, you know, we, we have entered a few new crystal balls, and a couple guys have set commitment dates, and two of those guys are Ishmael Ibrahim of Dallas Kimball and J.D. Coffey of Kennedale. Um I've talked about these two at Lake. They're both kids I'm, I'm really familiar with here in the Dallas area, kids I've known for a long time. And, um, you know, kids I thought maybe if if anybody's going to play together or commit together, probably going to be those two. And so I don't think it's any sort of coincidence that uh, they did set their commitment date on the same day. Um, I think that uh, Texas is in a really good position for both of them. They've recruited both very hard. They've, um, you know, they've really gone out and pursued them. I think Chris Ash has been all over uh, J.D. Coffey since he really re-engaged with J.D. during the spring. And then uh, Jay Valai has been, I mean, since the day he arrived, has been all over Ishmael Ibrahim. So, um, you know, I think that uh, for me, I, I, would be, I think Texas is, is probably the, you know, it's, it's the pick here. It's, it's my pick. We've got crystal balls in for them. Um, I'd be really surprised if they if they ended up anywhere else at this point. Um, other than that, I think there are a couple guys who may go off the board to other schools as well. Uh, you know, you're talking about Teddy Knox, who is starting to get a flood of of old, uh, Mississippi State crystal balls in. Um, that's a guy that Texas has pursued, but I think they're probably going to finish second for at this point in time. Uh, but that should bring some more good news to you guys, of course. If those commitments happen, we will have them covered head-to-toe over on Horns 24-7. So please check us out there. Um, All right, let's go into our second interview. Texas is definitely making a push out west for a couple of guys. We've talked about Jameer Johnson and Jalen Smith. Um, We spoke with, or I spoke with Greg Biggins uh, last week, actually, for uh, my Open Mic podcast, which comes out on Tuesday. And and Greg talked about some of those guys Texas is pushing for on the West Coast and what the Longhorns, uh, their presence is out there as a recruiting staff. And now joining me on the State of Recruiting podcast, Open Mic, it is one of the best in the business. Uh, Listeners of Open Mic will remember that our first guest was Brandon Huffman. If you see Brandon Huffman, this guy's usually not far behind. Um, one of the be- uh, one half of the best recruiting tag team on the West Coast in the business. It is the great Greg Biggins. Uh, Greg, thanks for joining me today. Mike, anytime. As I said, man, if you ever need anything, I know I'm not Brandon Huffman, but I'm trying my best to kind of be in that, you know, be in that same vicinity. So that's the goal. <laughs> well, you guys, I, I'm amazed. We just did, um, I, we didn't just do it. I guess it feels like we did because it was the last event I did. I'm not sure what the last event you did was, but the last event I did was Pylon Vegas with you guys. And, um, you know, it, it feels like you guys run the West Coast, basically. When you're out there walking around with you two, it's, um, it's like walking around with a celebrity. So, uh <laughs> We definitely had to get you on with Texas pushing into California. And that's where I want to start right off the bat. Um, you know, Texas is, is, is certainly in the mix for a couple of California prospects, uh, to mostly DBs out there. Um, two in particular, uh, Jameer Johnson and Jalen Smith. What can you tell us about not only those guys as players, but what you've heard about them with Texas? 
Yeah, so, I mean, of, of the two, I would give Texas a, probably a little better shot with Jameer. I, I, I do think Jalen is probably leaning pretty, pretty decently to USC right now. He's got a lot of ties that are kind of pushing in that direction. And um, obviously, if he can take trips and, you know, the last news, I think we heard, I think we're recording this on a, what, today's Wednesday. Um, rule came down, what, an hour ago about no on-campus visiting through, which is like July 31st or something like that. So right. I know Jalen wants to take his trips really bad. And Texas is one school he really wants to get to. Um, Clemson, Alabama, all those schools are kind of intriguing to him. Uh, but I, I don't know if he'll be able to, if he's planning on making a late summer decision. Jameer, on the other hand, uh, he also wants to visit Texas pretty badly. I don't see him being in any hurry. Not saying Jalen is, but I think Jameer's the guy who's probably a little more willing to, to wait it out and, and take his trips and go into the fall season. So Texas is involved. Uh, Colorado, uh, their DB coach actually is from his same high school, played at Pasadena Muir and um, is kind of almost like a, a mentor to all the kids at Muir. Uh, Arizona State is involved there. Oregon is involved there. So I think those are the, all the main schools. But, you know, Jameer and his family, his mother is highly involved. And, and they did a Zoom call, kind of did an article about it a couple weeks ago that, you know, they were really blown away by Texas and all that has to offer, you know, on the field, off the field. And I know they were really, really excited about the opportunity um, of what a Texas – not just a football education, but, you know, an academic ed education and degree and all that could do for you after life, uh, after football is over. So uh, Texas, I, I think, has a real shot with Jameer if they can get him on campus. How do you see those guys as players? Because I, a West Coast source I spoke to in the coaching world told me he thinks Jalen Smith may be the best defensive back in California just from the fact that he can kind of do it all. Yeah, I, I've heard – I actually heard that from a couple of people. Shoot, we might even have the same source. Is, is <laughs> kind of talked about that. So, no, he really is versatile. He's, he's – I, I, it's always kind of a – people use it as, an, as a knock, but he's kind of a tweener in the sense that he kind of has a corner frame. He's probably about 5'9", five, 5'10", five, uh, but he plays more of a safety. You know, he's kind of a, being recruited more as a nickel, but he is so versatile. His high school team uses him as a corner, as a nickel, as a safety, even as a linebacker because he's such a good tackler. I mean, he's probably about 5'10", 180, but, you know, really good ball skills. He'll play a ton of receiver at Alameda next year. And, you know, saw him at an Elite 11 catching passes for his quarterback, Miller Moss. And tell you what, he was one of the best receivers there. So, like you said, man, versatile. Uh, any setting that you see him at, my big thing is when I go and watch a player, I don't want to really know – who he is. I want to just be able to watch football and, and see if the guy shows up. And when you go watch a seven on seven or a camp or a football game and Jalen's involved, like it takes you about five plays and then he shows up. I mean, he's just a guy who the ball just always kind of finds great ball skills, highly instinctive. And I, I can see why, you know, a coach would say the best DB. I mean, he's really a natural football player. Uh, 2022 guys. There's a couple guys out there. Texas has offered already. Um, and I, I read your update on Larry Turner Good and then just selfishly um, after talking to that kid earlier this spring when Texas offered and seeing him on film was kind of disappointed. He didn't mention Texas in that group of schools standing out to him, but uh, a source of Texas has told me that they feel like they're doing really good work with Damani Jackson at, at, uh, at modern day. Um, you know, obviously modern day you, you're, you're stacked against uh, that being basically being a USC feeder school, but where do you think the chances are that, that Texas could pull him away from there? Yeah, you know what? And I don't know if I necessarily think that's, that's the case anymore. I think with the 2021 class, we're seeing, you know, their top prospect this year is, is Rajon Davis. He's already committed to LSU and, and Jalen Davies. The corner has an offer from uh, USC, but I, I think he's leaning toward leaving home right now. And 
you know, probably his top two would be Arizona State and, uh, and Oregon. So I don't know if it's necessarily, uh, you know, go to modern day, you're a lock to go to USC. I think Domani, he definitely sees himself as a national recruit and he'll take his time and he'll play the process out. I mean, that's just kind of how he's wired. You know, he's going to take all of his trips and, you know, he kind of likes that big stage. I think he's going to kind of enjoy, you know, being uh, a headliner in that 2022 class, real special athlete. I mean, if you look at the kid, you know, he's, he's a chiseled six, one, maybe even six, one and a half and 185 pounds. And he has a college body right now. Uh, hadn't run track in a couple of years, went out this year in the second meet, he went 10, seven, eight, which I mean, in Texas, that's not that fast. Cause in Texas, I mean, it's all about track, which I love. I'm a big track guy myself, but in California, you know, we don't get a lot of guys, football players who, who run track. So, I mean, he would have been running probably in the low 10 fives by the end of the season. This stuff is not running track in a couple of years. So Damani's special for sure. Honestly, I don't think he's got a, you know, a locked-in leader right now. I think USC, he does have some, you know, relationships there with the staff. But same thing with ASU. Ohio State is a higher priority there. Texas, you already mentioned them. Um, you know, he's kind of waiting for a Clemson offer, which is kind of like they're like the hot school right now in terms of, you know, players coveting that offer. Uh, and then, yeah, Larry Turner, good and awesome kid. Just talked to him a couple of days ago when we invited him to the All-American Bowl. He quickly committed to that. But another guy, and honestly, I wouldn't read into too much – Texas being omitted from that list because we were just kind of talking off the cuff and I was saying, hey, who are the schools that you're talking to the most right now? And he would literally would, would say three schools and he'd say, oh, I forgot this school. Two seconds later, oh, I forgot that school. So, I mean, if I would have asked about Texas, I guarantee you he would have said, oh, man, I love Texas. So, uh, don't don't read into that. I, I do think Texas is, is pushing hard for him and, uh, again, um, offered him through Derek Holmes, father of Darnay Holmes, who played at UCLA. And I, I know Darnay and Derek Holmes – that family that they'll be involved in. And, you know, I, I think Texas definitely has a chance uh, again, he'll take a visit out there. He's going to take his time. He'll take all five official trips. He's already saying I'm going to commit at the all American bowl. So we're talking like January of 2022. So a long way to go for, for both these two kids. Yeah. I loved watching that kid's film when he was offered. He was just a really fun, fun watch. And, you know, Greg, anytime I get an opportunity to make a trip out West, I'm, I'm going to love doing it. So I hate that, uh, you know, this Corona stuff canceled the all the camps, and I was looking forward to getting back out there for that Cal Lutheran camp. And, and uh, you know, you guys made me an honorary West Coast guy during the Vegas <laughs> trip. So I'm, I'm just trying to, to get back there as much as possible. Um, you know, you mentioned that, that Clemson is the kind of the, the hot school out there. And, uh, you know, Corey Foreman, the, the nation's, you know, number one defensive end was, was out there uh, – or was committed to there and then before decommitting obviously that that shows some of the influence but uh you know what is the view do you think of, of texas on the west coast because they have had their their fair share of, of finding guys out in arizona and california and um you know what is it i i don't i know you probably don't do much digging on on texas out there but what do you hear when you do ask about it no i mean i, I have tons of respect again i i was you know what going way back to the to the shrine ball back when you know california texas game was playing um, we, we are involved, and I was with doing sports involved in that game. I've I've have a ton of respect for Texas football, and I think a lot of kids too. There's obviously a rivalry, you know, California, Florida, Texas, the big three, right? And so I think there's always that, you know, that in-state pride. Although, you know, I think right now with California players, is probably less pride uh, for their state than the Texas and, and Florida kids are. I think <laughs> right now California football is a little bit. I don't want to say that on a downward swing, but uh, we're, we are seeing a ton of players leaving home. So. No, I mean, when a player gets an offer from Texas, it definitely resonates. It means a lot more than – I don't want to name a bunch of schools and insult anybody, but, no, there's certain offers that you get, you know, 
Alabama offer. A kid gets that and it, it just jumps out for them, right? Like I mentioned, Clemson, Ohio State. Um, but Texas, it's, it's a traditional power. Um, it, it's a football craze state. Everyone knows it. They have great tradition, especially if you're talking about a defensive back, which all the guys we've been talking about so far have been, ironically, DBs, right? I don't know if that was planned or not, but just seemed like <laughs> Jameer and Jalen, they just happen to be DBs. Obviously, Texas is one of the schools that you can kind of throw into that DBU category, right, with LSU and Ohio State. So Texas does, does a great job, and kids out here, you know, they're all about developing and getting to the league. And it's not so much like it used to be. We used to be, hey, if USC offers me, and even to a lesser extent, if UCLA offers me, I'm probably going to stay close to home right now. They don't care about that. They, they will, are willing to leave and go home and play for whoever can get them to the league. And hopefully three years, that's the dream. And I think they see Texas as being a school with, with that kind of big stage and that kind of tradition. And, and they do a great job, again, with DBs and d- development. So, yeah, that's a, the Longhorns, that's a huge offer out here. How much do you think part of that is, you know, the 2005 Rose Bowl, obviously one of the greatest games of all time, um, Texas being able to come out there. How much of it do you think is the Pac-12 being down? And, you know, reading this week that the Pac-12 is pursuing names like Texas and Oklahoma for the next uh, realignment shuffle, I'm wondering how much that would help Texas uh, recruiting out west if they were suddenly playing in the Pac-12. Man, that, that would be crazy, right? I know it helped Utah and Colorado in a big way in terms of recruiting for those two schools. And, you know, tech, I don't think Texas needs any help. They don't really need to leave home to do a lot of recruiting, but for California kids, if, if they know that, you know, they can go to Texas and then still come home and play for the mom and dad, at least once a year, depending on, you know, if they were aligned with USC or UCLA or shoot, even Cal Stanford is a five hour drive. Uh, Arizona, Arizona state's a five hour drive. So uh, yeah, I think that'd be, that'd be big. Um, but, no, I think 2005 Rose Bowl, honestly, uh, you and me are both old enough to, to know that was one of the greatest games of all time. A lot of these kids, you know, they were really young at, at that point in time, right? So, it was like they watched it live. It's funny. I still get kids when they ask them about USC, and they say, oh, man, I love growing up and watching Reggie Bush. I'm like, dude, you're like one years old. But, no, I think Texas just – it's a big name. I, like, I, don't, I don't think it matters that the Rose Bowl and Vincent Young and – um, I just think that the name Texas, just it's a brand. It is a name brand. It's a top five job. And I, I think people just kind of resonate when you hear that word Texas football, Longhorn. It, it's, it's big time for sure. Well, that's uh, we appreciate the update. Our listeners will love that update from out West. And I know I can always count on you, Greg, when I can't get in touch with a kid out there and just say, hey, can you check in with this kid and, and tell me what's going on? So uh, we appreciate that. And that was our 24-7 national analyst, Greg Biggins, based out on the West Coast, giving you some updates on who Texas is recruiting out there. For the full interview, you can listen to this week's episode of Open Mic on the State of Recruiting feed. All right, uh, let's go right into the mailbag. As always, you can get your questions in over at uh, the Horns 24-7 message board, or you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes with a question, and we will always, always get to those questions. Um, And I'm going to start with a five-star review. Uh, that we got from Texas Hatchet. He says, Mike, do you and Nick believe players such as uh, Jordan Whittington, Jordan Moore, Jonathan Brooks uh, will bring more attention to the Victoria, Cuero, Yoakum, and Hallettsville area? Will those areas get more D1 schools' attention? P.S. Most people here call this area the crossroads. So uh, for, for those who didn't listen last time, Nick and I were debating um, you know what exact area of the state Hallettsville was in and, and what you would call the region. So uh, a little clarity there from Texas Hatchet that it is crossroads. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that 
you have seen a lot of growing interest in that region, uh, probably going back to the Moore brothers first and then, you know, Jordan Whittington doing what he's doing. But, you know, I think it's going to be one of those cases where it's pretty few and far between just because of the numbers that those schools produce. Um, they're not going to be in it each and every year. Um, but I, I think that, that you know, when they have guys, they are going to be taken more credibly because of some of the guys they have produced. All right, this one wasn't a five-star review, but I did want to address it. I got uh, We got a review from Jay Birdsong11, who's not a fan of me, um, and uh, does not like that uh, I, I apparently uh, don't like some things that other people like. Uh, so sometimes when I joke around on this podcast uh, about Nick with basketball news and saying I don't like basketball, that's a joke between Nick and I because he talks about basketball all the time, and, and it's not a sport I enjoy, so I always tell him I don't like it, and... Uh, we kind of push it back and forth. So, uh, Mr. Birdsong, I'm I'm sorry you don't like the the way we do that, but uh, it is just a joke. We're kind of just pushing it back and forth. So, uh, uh, lighten up. All right, um, our next question is coming to us from the Horns twenty four seven message board. Uh, give me, and we're gonna put that thread up basically each and every Thursday. Um, so, if you're on the board, you can get your question there. Very easy to to answer. Um, All right, our first question comes to us from Sanjay. It says, hypothetically, if Texas gets a class of Jaden Alexis, Casey Kane, and Antonio Harmon, um, who would be the last wide receiver we would ideally be trying to get to complete the class? Um, So Jaden Alexis of Florida, Casey Kane of New Orleans, Antonio Harmon, who was offered today from Mississippi. Uh, Those are the guys that he mentioned in the question. I think that... um, I mean, I think the the other guys they're looking at are probably, you know, J.J. Henry could be the slot guy. Uh, Keytron Jackson could be another outside guy. I think they're going to continue to push for JoJo Earl. So it's really just going to depend on on the way the season plays out. And I know Texas has has had some misses early in this cycle, but I think that um, I think that what 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 happens in the fall may change things. You know, I mean, if they come out and have a red hot year, they're going to have a chance to flip somebody. Uh, Polly Dreamer hits exactly on that with the next question. Other than the bigger answer of just be good on offense, what can Texas do in 2020 to help them win the Quinn Ewers lottery on and off the field? I think being good on offense is a good start. Um, Showing great quarterback development. I mean, Sam's been fantastic in the last couple of years, but if Yersich could even take him to another level um, and prove that, you know, he is a good, uh, Mike Yersich is a good quarterback developer, that certainly helps. The biggest thing with Quinn is, as he said, is he's looking for coaching staff longevity. So if Texas can can win at a level that proves, hey, the staff's not in danger of getting fired, um, I think that that's probably one of the bigger things they can do. And, and, and really, I think also, before I move on, is – I think you've got to show that the offense fits him, fits what he wants to do, and it is a fun offense to play in. Um, all right, uh, next question from Earl Thomas, 12. Due to no official visits happening in the spring or summer, could you see the NCAA canceling the early signing period this year? I could. I've heard some talk about it um, recently. I think that that there, there has been some uh, discussion about it. I... I just don't understand a, a need for, for canceling it. I mean, if it exists, there are a lot of guys early committed who, who probably are going to stay committed. And I think if those guys want to, to sign early, they should be allowed to. I, I think, um, you know, for kids, maybe it's just they've got to be the ones that um, that will 
evaluate you know what their opportunities are and if they're going to wait till the second signing period. So I don't really see a reason to to cancel it. Um, all right, uh, Indy Jones 1484 said, uh, going to give you a layup. Who are the next commits? Uh, probably Ish and JD Coffee uh, on the 15th. Um, if that's true, who does it help us with and who do, who else could they persuade? Yeah, so it, like I said in the previous uh, section, uh, Ishmael Ish, Ibrahim and J.D. Coffey, I believe, will be the next commits for Texas. Um, you know, I think that as Texas continues to work on Deuce Harmon and they're going to get a visit from him despite the fact that he's committed to A&M, you know, it helps there. Those guys are close with him. They do know him. Outside of that, maybe Andrew Makuba. Um, but... I think really, you know, just getting guys like Ishmael Ibrahim and J.D. Coffey is big enough in and of itself. From JF10357, if Texas doesn't get a commit from either Kamar Wheaton or L.J. Johnson at running back, what's the next move? Um, Glad uh, Brooks is in the next class, uh, but there doesn't seem – or Glad Brooks is in the class, I'm sorry, but there doesn't seem to be a clear-cut option behind those other two. Edwards seems unlikely, and those are the three every other running back offers already committed. I would really love to see Texas go in on Altum Caskill from Conroe Oakridge. I think that that's the guy, if, if either of those guys make early commitments, um, that's the guy I would really love to see them go in. After that, I think it's really going to depend on who's around. Um, there may be some fall evals. There may be a junior college guy. I'm not sure. Uh, it just doesn't seem to be... Doesn't seem to be a a great year running back wise nationally. Uh, next question, saved by Milrow, said uh, this question was specifically directed to Nick. Said uh, he he was guessing over three and a half um, commitments by the end of June. How how confident does he feel in that prediction? He says very confident, um, and he's including Isaac Pearson, the uh, the recent Texas punter commitment that, that I forgot to mention in the early segment. Texas did land an Australian punter in Isaac Pearson uh, from Pro Kick, and so um, Nick is going to include that in his tally as well. From Swag Nasty, how is that? How is it that the USC is apparently surging in twenty twenty one recruiting with Helton on a hotter seat than Herman? Um, what are they selling that we aren't? Uh, who are the most likely flip candidates if and when recruits start to see Yurzich and Ash's new system in action? Um, you know, they've, they've hired some really talented recruiters, including Craig Niver, who I thought was one of Texas' better recruiters when he was here. Uh, but Dante Williams from Oregon runs the West Coast. I mean, that is a guy that if you talk to West Coast sources, they will tell you that he is, um, you know, he is a, a basically a god out there when it comes to recruiting. So um, that really helped as well. And I think that, you know, they got – Graham Harrell to come back, and um, I believe that the the administration is standing behind him and saying, you know, these guys aren't on a hot seat. Um, I know that I've heard the administration has been involved in talking to some parents and saying, you know, we we're we're in, we're we're bought in on this coaching staff. We spent a lot of money on them, so um, a lot of those things are being sold. Uh, the most likely flip candidates, mm, I I can't. I mean, there's nobody. I guess I could name right off the bat. It's so this year's so so much different because, um, you know, the commitments that happened are, were 
because of coronavirus. So I, you know, it's totally going to change the way uh, things are done. I mean, we're going to have a record number of flips. So it's hard to say exactly who those guys will be. You know, it's, it's, it's tough to say until it gets kind of closer to that situation and you hear guys start looking around. And anytime we start saying this kid's a flip candidate, you know, it, it usually results in it getting back to them or a fan base coming after us for something. And um, so, yeah, I don't know that I can name anyone off the bat. I think really what you're looking for is, you know, the defensive staff is recruiting pretty well right now. I would think that, um, you know, maybe maybe you could talk Landon Jackson into taking a visit. Maybe you could talk Clayton Smith into taking a visit and getting something out of those. Um, offensively, if things go well, maybe you get JoJo Earl back on campus. Maybe you get um, Hal Presley or somebody like that. Maybe in really where they need the most is offensive line. So maybe um, you know, maybe you get one of those guys back on campus. But those are, I guess, some names I would throw out. Uh, from Hookem SD, how many uh, recruits do you think Texas uh, wins or loses per year to money? Don't need to name names or schools, but does it happen often? I, I hate talking about this because it's one of those things that I can't really say unless I have definitive proof, right? And I guess I can protect myself a little bit by not naming names in schools, but it certainly happens. It's certainly out there. We certainly hear about it. Um, have I seen financial statements? Have I seen uh, the actual money? No, but, I mean, it's it's out there enough that, that we know it's out there. Um I'm trying to think. In the last few years, I would say probably three or four guys I can point to that were probably um, a result of that. It's typically not a ton that I that I'm aware of. All right, our next question comes to us from. Um, uh, let's see. We're gonna move on from because that's a question for Nick from Hook and Bloodstein. You can pick your top five hip hop albums. Uh, to listen to for the rest of the time, which five do you pick? Um, I actually already answered this question on Twitter today, but it is Illmatic by Nas, Chronic 2001 uh, by Dre. It is The College Dropout, Kanye, uh, Reasonable Doubt, Jay-Z, and The New Danger by Most Def. Those are probably my top five favorite, which is funny because it's kind of a conversation Nick and I had on the way to Houston um, as we are uh, basically spanning the uh, generation gap musically. Uh, OB James 23, have I heard anything on Tyrell Shavers? I know that some Texas coaches followed him. I talked to some people close to Tyrell and his family um, who have said they have not heard anything from Texas as of yet, so uh, not sure there. Uh, from S. James 33, can you uh, give a brief synopsis of the recruiting prowess of each coach? We hear all the time about Valai, um, and even I'm guessing it says Hitlet, but I'm guessing Hutzler recently. Uh, but haven't heard too much about Coleman, Bulware, or Hagen. Just wanted to see if y'all could give them more detail. Um, sure, yeah. So I've talked about Coleman a lot. I'm still trying to figure Coleman out. It, it appears he's not a highly energetic recruiter, but I think what guys like about him is he has an authenticity about him and, and obviously knows what he's talking about, comes off when he talks about ball. So um, that's what sticks out with Coleman. I have not heard much at all on Bulware, so I can't speak to that. Hagan, I know a lot of people like. He's, he's. I don't know that you're ever going to call him a plus plus recruiter, but 
Um, you know, talking to I've talked to a few people who knew him when he was at Indiana, knew him when he was at AM, and you know, they've all spoken highly of him, said he's a you know, nice guy, good relationship builder, all those sorts of things, solid. Um, so those are that's what I've heard on on him. Uh, let's see from Texas Strong 322. Uh, who would be the second uh, running back take? We already did that one. And how many takes will uh, Texas have at linebacker this cycle? Um, I would say they're going to get as many linebackers as as they can. Um, I think that three to four might be a good number. Um, if it, depending, that's depending on how you apply linebackers. So if Derek Harris is a technically a linebacker, but he's playing an edge rushing position. Is that what you're asking about? I think that ideally they would like to get three to four guys um, to play that linebacker position. They've already got Maurice Blackwell in the class. Terrence Cooks is a guy I've heard a lot and continue to hear a lot of good things about. So um, I think you know finding one or two more guys after that would be the priority. Uh, Triplet Joseph forty four asks, "What's the story with Noah Kane a few years ago? Always wondered how Texas messed that up." Um, so I was fortunate enough to have somebody very close to Noah's camp, um, and the the decision was going kind of back and forth between Texas and, and Penn State um, all night, the night before signing day, and I was in constant communication. Um, in fact, somebody had asked me, um, you know, what they thought they should do with Noah, and I, I told them, you know, he's really overwhelmed right now with contact from what I understand, so... Um, I get my best advice would be just to lay off of him for a little bit. And that's not what happened. I think some of the staff called him and went in too hard on him. Um, and I, for, you know, from what I understand early in the morning, he had called Penn state and told him it wasn't going to be them. Um, and then at that point, uh, was, you know, uh, got another call from the Texas staff that, that was kind of aggressive and pushed him and, and that kind of pushed over the top and, and made him change his mind and, and stick with Penn State. So, um, yeah, it's just uh, one of those things where it wasn't handled incredibly well down at the end. And, um, you know, I get it. For recruiters, the goal is to close, especially when you when you feel like you're in position to close. But sometimes, you know, knowing when to lay off seems to, seems to be good too. All right, and um, our last question comes to us from Charles Daniels. Uh, he says, hey, guys, give us your thoughts on the new 24-7 crystal ball system. Confidence uh, number confuses me. If the confidence is less than six, then why would you put a crystal ball pick in? Uh, Nick, please put a crystal ball in with a confidence level of one for the culture. Uh, do you and number two? Do you expect sidelines to be affected uh, or changed if there's high school season this year? Uh, Mike, your wish for clear sidelines might finally come true. Hopefully. Um, so for one, yeah, we do have a new crystal ball system, and basically what we've done is we've added a confidence meter from one to 10 on it. And, um, we have also added an, a, a place where we can put a VIP scoop link in there. So if you see a new crystal ball come in and you're a member of 24 seven, you can click right on that article and see what the reasoning for that crystal ball is. Um, and we've weighted it differently. We have lead experts and several lead experts on each recruit, and those picks are weighted differently than everybody else's. So um, they carry a little more weight points-wise for us. The reason for the confidence number is they wanted to get rid of Foggy. Um, the Foggy crystal ball pick, which is, you know, I mean, frankly, something I'm a fan of because, you know, kids are indecisive as can be, and sometimes, you know, something changes. In, in a case where... 
say a kid I've got to pick in for him, and then all of a sudden I learn that Texas, for instance, is no longer an option for him, or um, or all of a sudden he he decommits from Texas but has no clear plan. I like to be able to go foggy, but um, you know the new system is basically to instead of going foggy, just putting a low crystal ball confidence score on it. So that's where things are uh, with the crystal ball, and so. I try, you know, it's a, it's an interesting game right now. There are some, you know, obviously there are some commits I know, I know for a fact are going to happen. So I could put a ten score on them, but I always feel like I'm robbing from the kid a little more if I do that. So it's something I'm still figuring out as well for sure. Um, high school access this season, I'm not sure what's going to change. I would think as far as sidelines. If you're on the field out in the open, I would think they would probably give us more access. The thing I think is going to change is press boxes. That's that's really what I can see uh, being the big change there, but um, not sure on that. I think, uh, man, if, if they eliminate a bunch of sideline dads, though, that would be that would be fantastic. All right, that's going to do it for us um, on this week's State of Recruiting. Uh, hopefully we'll have Nick back next week. He's Like I said, he's just dealing with some, uh, some, some stuff at the house, having, and uh, he's had to... Had some emergencies on the home front, so um, nothing, nothing bad, nothing with the family. Just uh, having to do some some work on his house. So um, he'll be back next week, and, and we'll get back to normal. Uh, as always, we'd like to thank you guys for listening. Uh, can't thank you enough for your involvement in the show and uh, the guys who are fans of us, and um, you know, eat up what we do, and we really appreciate that. Uh, please show your appreciation by uh, subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, any of those platforms I talked about, uh, giving us a, uh, a rate and review on, on iTunes. That's always huge. That really helps our show uh, kind of push next level. Um, and it really helps me continue to uh, have the ability to go twice a week. So uh, please do those things as well. Uh, we also like to remind you to listen to the other shows on the 24-7 Podcast Network. Um, not only that, the Horns 24-7 Network, um, the flagship with, with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown, and then the uh, the Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rob Babers. Um, there's a lot of great other shows on the 24-7 Network as well. So if you're looking for podcasts for college football, we've got you covered pretty much anywhere you want to go. Um, for, uh, for just me tonight, uh, I say thank you, and we will talk to you next week.